We'll do a final recap of the World Junior Championship, choosing three top players from each of the 10 teams at the tournament. We'll talk about all that coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and on today's show, we'll be breaking down our final recap of the World Juniors, choosing three top players from each of the 10 teams at the World Junior Hockey Championship. Uh, we'll start off with uh, USA, Sweden, and Czechia in our first segment. We'll talk about Slovakia, Germany, Norway, and Latvia in our second segment, and end things off with Canada, Finland, and Switzerland. We'll choose three top players from each of them. We already have, and uh, we'll tell you why exactly those players were our choices. Um, I'll break down their tournaments, how they played, and why some notable players aren't on our three-player team, uh, three player shortlist for, for their respective countries. Um, but before we get into any of that, uh, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app and use code LOCKEDONNHL after creating an account for $20 off your first purchase. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. Uh, so let's get started here with our top three players for Team USA. This was a stacked roster. Let's not lie about that. There were a lot of players we could have chosen from. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, these three players were the standouts. I think we can start with Frank Nazar, who for me really, really stood out and made himself um, a clear contender as a top playmaker on a really, really good roster in terms of playmakers. So, yeah, what did you think of Nazar's tournament uh, this this time around? It was awesome. And I think I, I got a lot of joy specifically from his tournament because of just how difficult the last year and a half has been for him. The production has been quite slow at the NCAA level. He's been really struggling with a with a massive injury that almost ended his season last year, missed most of it. And in this tournament, he was really going back to his roots, uh, playing with the players that he was playing with in his draft year, but also playing the style of play that made him I mean, he was like second overall on both of our boards in that draft year, which it w would probably not be the same case in a redraft from both of our perspective pr perspectives. But there was a reason that we were so bullish uh, for his case. It is the relentless pace, the versatility, the high end playmaking, which shone brighter in this tournament than I've ever seen it shine for Frank Nazar. And yeah. the goal scoring wasn't even really a topic for him. Like I think he scored what one goal in this tournament. Uh, wasn't wasn't much, but he didn't need to to be so impactful. So I think with, with Nazar, it's just a wonderful comeback story. And hopefully he continues to progress on this level and can project as an impactful top six high end, uh, like dynamic offensive forward for the Chicago Blackhawks long term. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we're talking about a player who um, just 
clearly on every shift was just pushing the pace, making himself impactful. And, you know, I was looking at the player cards from uh, Lassie Allen and uh, Mitch Brown's uh, tracking yeah. project for the World Juniors, and he's just maxed out in every category. It's ridiculous. Uh, but moving on to Lane Hudson, who had a great tournament as well. Um, defensively, he struggled a lot uh, in terms of um, preventing a zone entries. Uh, that was a big, Shocker. big issue. Yeah. yeah. And I just wrote an article for Habs Eyes on the Prize for that um, regarding his, his performances at this tournament. Um, he had a really difficult first half, I felt. Um, he was he was thrust into a role he wasn't used to. Uh, he is playing a lot of minutes for Boston University, but he isn't playing those minutes in the specific type of way that he is playing them in, that he was playing them at this World Juniors. He was playing on the penalty kill, playing in defensive zone face-offs, was tasked with a lot of defensive responsibilities and in zone, it's not bad. He's able to clear the net front. He's able to put a stick in the right lanes and intervene and all that. But his main issue has always been the fact that he struggles to pivot and and uh, mirror footwork off the rush. And that makes it really quite easy to get past him, especially if you're big and fast enough. So that was really clear at this tournament. But other than that, um, in the second half of the tournament, Hudson really made that first pairing role his own. He was, you know, jump-starting plays with really, really good passing um, out of his zone. Uh, he was manning the power play really well, distributing and kind of deciding which side USA was going to shoot from, basically, um, by quarterbacking that power play. And, yeah, overall, I thought the second half of this tournament was a lot better than, than the first half. Um, but the issues were still there. Um, I mean... It, it was still obvious that it was getting blown past in, in coverage. Um, but yeah, the final player for USA would be Cutter Goche, um, who played a really good tournament as well. Um, I, I felt like in the first half, there was a major issue with the shot selection. And it felt like that still carried on throughout. But as the tournament went on, he got better at choosing when to shoot, when to pass to the slot, especially on the power play. Um, a lot of his shots on the power play were just shots where he had two options open in the slot, um, you know, for a, a shot pass or a, a tip pass or that kind of stuff. And he would just kind of try to shoot it short side on a, on a goal. He's already cheating short side. Like it, it didn't really make a lot of sense for Goche. Um, but as the tournament went on, um, he racked up the points, was playing really, really well with Oliver Moore. Um, and, uh, and um, uh, who was the other player there? It was Jimmy Snuggeru for a while, but he got replaced by Oliver Moore. And it was McGordy. Gordy, yes, exactly, who replaced him on the line. Those two play really, really well off each other. They have fairly complementary skill sets, and I saw a lot more of that playmaking element that I like from Goche. Um, but moving on to Sweden, um, how did you like Axel sending Pelika's tournament? Yeah, I mean, Sweden had so many players that uh, made strong cases to be in the three stars. So just like with the States, where there's a ton of... like we could have mentioned like eight different players that uh, could have made this, uh, this three-star list from the States. And it's almost just as many for, for Sweden, but Noah Ersland was really Sweden's high end dynamic offensive driver. And Sandy Pelica was doing the same thing from the blue line where in the defensive zone, whenever there was a retrieval to take care of when Sandy Pelica was on the ice, uh, Sweden was so comfortable and calm knowing that the puck was going to get broken out with uh, with control. And uh, he was really the one of the, the, the key components of that team that linked the defensive zone to the offensive zone. He was taking on a big role in transition, including yeah. off puck. He was consistently getting open as an outlet. And I mean, we don't really have to go in too deep into just how it skilled Axel Sandy Pelica is offensively like the shot is just ridiculous he has the best shot of any defenseman at this tournament and that showed and uh the playmaking game was superb but it was the defensive game really that stood out the most especially relative to what he has shown in his league play over the last year and a half that yeah 
his defensive game, like, like he was leaned on very heavily in high end defensive situations, just like Lane Hudson was. And Sandy Palika did a far better job at that than Hudson did because he's such a he, he's a far more fluid skater. He finds that uh, like like matching footwork off the rush is a lot more easy for Sandy Palika than it is for Lane Hudson, for instance. And yeah. he was he was a true two way defenseman in this tournament, so definitely deserves a big shout out. Noah Usland was again the high end dynamic driver offensively, and a lot of Jonathan Lekaramaki's goals really came off of plays that were put on a silver platter for him by Usland. But Lakaramaki's goal scoring still definitely deserves a shout out here. The sniping ability has really just steadily improved ever since his draft year. And even though it hasn't needed to, like he's he's yeah. always had a ridiculously good shot. And the goal scoring instincts are continuing to develop. I see a lot more of that than I did on draft day a couple years ago. Like I think like he was a player that I was quite low on. I saw him as a pure goal scorer. I didn't like how adaptably he was and and any other situation uh and i think i ranked him like 27th overall as a result uh which was an overcorrection on my part but uh, indicative of the skepticism that i still have a little bit of but yeah it's the decision making with lakaramaki that's still a question mark in terms of nhl projection but at this yeah. tournament he was he was getting to the dangerous areas he was getting open and he was unleashing that that cannon of a shot and Found the back of the net, what, like seven times or something in in yeah. these games? Like he was very 100%. good. Hundred percent. Yeah. And and what's really interesting with with Lakaramaki is, you know, even though he was officially the player of the tournament there for um in the world juniors, I, I really thought Noah Eslin was a better player overall. Um in terms yeah. of his impact in all three zones, his ability to carry pucks in transition, just Lakaramaki was a great finisher and he scored a lot of goals, but for me, Osland by far and away. Sweden's best player and um and overall the player of the tournament for me um but moving on to Czechia real quick uh obviously Yuri Kulik was amazing in this tournament barring a first game which was really disappointing outside of that amazing for the rest of the tournament um helped uh Czechia win the bronze medal against Finland and played really really well throughout the tournament again except for that first game Andre Becker an unsung hero on that team scored some key goals at key moments and was especially a hat trick yeah, in that, in that bronze medal game. Patrick in the bronze medal game. You can't go wrong with that. And then to end things off, Michael Hraball, who yes was pulled in the in the bronze medal game, um, but honestly, um, his his replacement, who I think was Samuel Urban, um, could not have done. Oh, I don't think that was it. But um, no, it was with a V. Oh, I'm, his name's escaping me. I'm really bad at names. Uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't really kind of confident that he, that replacement goaltender would have done anything differently versus what Robal did. Um, and overall, Robal in that tournament kept him in some games. He kept the score tight against USA. Basically, forced check into a shootout against uh, against USA, which they lost after seven shots. Like it took, it took seven shots to beat uh, Robal twice in the shootout, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and, you know, overall, just a great tournament, except for that last game where you allowed two difficult goals um, and the was first pulled game. immediately. Yeah. And I mean, the first game was, yeah, I guess so. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, you know, we have to give a shout out for to, to Thomas Hamara here in, in this top three for for Czechia. He was good as well. But for me, Harabal was much more of a difference maker than Hamara. Hamara was disappearing a lot more from games, I felt, than, you know, uh, than some of the other players here. But that wraps things up for our first segment. We'll talk about our second segment here where we discuss Slovakia, Germany, Norway, and Latvia's top players in this tournament. We'll get into that right after these messages from our sponsors over at FanDuel. 
The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 money line bet. That's $150, win or lose. And that, that you can use on anything, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. And the app is so easy to use, uh, whether you want to uh, use it for same-game parlays to make individual games more exciting, which is something that I enjoy doing when I go to a live game, for instance, just to make the action a little bit more exciting. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk about Slovakia, Germany, Norway, and Latvia's top three players in the tournament. By the way, real quick, uh, I checked the name of that Czechian, uh, th- that Czech uh, goaltender that replaced uh, Robal in that game. It was Jakub Vondrash, and surprise, surprise, yes. he's a Carolina Hurricanes draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> Shock of, of the century? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, moving on to Slovakia, there were a lot of names to pick from here. They had a really, really good tournament with some really good players, and I'm surprised they didn't make it further than they did, because that roster was ridiculously good and they just ran into a you know a really really strong team in, in the quarterfinals there um but overall i thought philip meshar was the best player and it, it was astounding to me that the iihf didn't give any even a mention in their top three uh their top three was adam guyon shervak prochovsky and maxim starbach uh which was weird given that maxim starbach's mistake was the last thing that happened for slovakia before they got eliminated i i just I don't know. Philip Meshar was the difference maker for them. Um, just agree. on every shift, dynamic, pushing the middle, playing pucks from the boards into the middle of the ice, um, you know, making plays cross lane to Servak Petrovsky. He made Servak Petrovsky look like an NHL goal scorer. Like that was that was really, really good hockey. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Meshar overall, he's made for, for the big ice surface. The way he overwhelms opponents with the skating, it's just, I mean... It, this was the best stretch of games he's ever played on the international stage for me. I, I don't think I've for ever sure. seen him play like this. And yeah, it was really, really impressive, right? Oh, yeah. It was a tremendous tournament for Meshar. But still, I think Adam Guyon and Servat Petrovsky were also two others that uh, certainly deserved the mentions they got from WIHF. Like they may have yeah. whiffed on on not including Meshar there, but they definitely hit on the two others in, in my view. Adam Guyon, yet again, proving that he is a monster at the World Juniors, uh, just really almost unsolvable to a lot of teams. And while he did have one or two more mediocre games than he did last year at the World Juniors, which was a key difference in Slovakia not making the same type of glorious run, uh, Mm -hmm. he was really, really good in this tournament and did more than you can really expect your starting goaltender to do for your team and Petrovsky was as you mentioned was looking like a really high-end goal scorer was constantly getting to really good goal scoring positions really playing off well from Philip Meshar dropping into the space that Meshar created for him the chemistry between those two was a key component to Slovakia's offensive flair in this tournament but uh yeah I think I think those are the, the the three players that really stood above and beyond in that Slovakian roster 
Hundred percent, and yeah, I mean, all three of them had a great tournament. I'd even throw uh, Adam Shakora in that mix. He was uh, more yeah. of a defensive element on that top line with Meshar and Petrovsky. But I was really, really impressed with this tournament as well. Um, but moving up to Germany, real quick, um, Julian Lutz deserves a mention. Um, not just the point totals, not just the way he played, not just the 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 leadership he showed for that team, but um, that specific moment when uh, the Germans scored the the the, the, the go ahead goal and uh, yeah. ended up winning that game. Against Finland and he's just you know he's in the penalty box he's banging the glass he high fives the penalty box guy <laughs> and just goes and runs out to, to meet his, his his teammates to celebrate that win that was just an amazing moment for Germany and he was a key component in that um Veit Oswald as well was fantastic in this tournament um he was the points yeah. leader for for Germany um at the end of it um played really well in their elimination game as well um, was really impactful, really um, overall, just a great offensive weapon for them in that in that tournament. And I wanted to give a shout out to a uh, defenseman who scored a big, big goal for for Germany in that win against Finland. Niklas Hubner was great in this tournament. Not just the two goals that he scored, but also the defensive acumen, the 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 the, the rush defense, the ability to be aware of what's going on around him. I don't think there was any other. Uh, defenseman on this roster for Germany that that really came close to him in terms of that ability. So, yeah, I was really, really impressed with Hubner as well for Germany. Um, outside of that, we've got Norway here with three really good players that stood up yeah. from the pack. Michael Bransack Newgard, um, we knew heading into this that he would have a good, you know, he would have a, a good um, opportunity to showcase what he's able to do, to showcase his defensive acumen, to showcase his work rate. I was really surprised to see a drastic difference in his effort level between the World Juniors and the Alsvenskan, where he plays his, his, you know, his regular season games. Um, he plays in the Pro League and doesn't look out of place. Um, puts a lot of work in. Um, you know, really, really responsible defensively. I didn't see... I didn't see the same level of drive that I saw in the Alsvenskan from him, and that was kind of disappointing. But the uh, the point totals were there. He was showcasing a shot, which is exactly what you wanted from him, right? You wanted MBN yeah. to to put the puck in the net to show that he's able to put up points, and you know to show that his first half of the season with uh, with Mora and the Alsvenskan is a fluke, right? For sure. Like I think that that MBN had a really strong tournament, all things considered. It was not perfect, but I think any player playing a massive role for a newly promoted side like Norway is going to make mistakes. And that, that's also true for our other like top star for Norway that stood out yeah. massively. Another draft eligible, first time draft eligible, and Stian Solberg, who was playing 24 to 27 minutes every single night. But, but by the last game after Norway had played four uh, four games in five days, he was running on an empty tank. And that last game was not a good one. He was not playing very good hockey, but there were very clear reasons for that. He was overworked. He was exhausted. This is an 18 year old, right? Like, like, like that is a, a lot of, of game time to be playing against really high level competition. But uh, I was really impressed by Norway in this tournament. They were one of my favorite teams to tune in to watch, uh, even though they weren't exactly like winning all their games. I thought that they were playing a really fun style of play. They clearly had all their players buy into the, the like into the game plan and into the philosophy of the team. I yeah. thought they looked a lot more cohesive than other teams at this tournament that had a lot more raw skill with them, and that that helped them a ton. So while while they did get relegated in the end, this was a really really good effort for Norway. 
Norway at the World Junior Championship, and I hope to see them again really soon. But yeah. before before that, one last player for Norway, of course, Petter Vesterheim was also really good. So talk me through him. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, Michael Brensack Newgard's teammate in uh, Mora, the Alsvenskan, and um, I thought the two complemented each other very well. I, th- I saw Vesterheim as a bit more of a playmaker, a bit more of a distributor, a bit kind of the player who will drive the middle, create some havoc, and you know dish a puck up on the backhand to a, a streaking Brensack Newgard. Um, you know, we could have included Bakovic in there, Lukaberg as well. Both of them are really, really good. But I, th- I thought yeah. Petter Vesterheim was really kind of the the driving force, um, transition and playmaking wise for that team, and really made uh, that line tick with Brenzak Newgard. It's clear that those two have chemistry. Um, but finally, to end things off, we'll talk about three players for Latvia. Um, We'll start off with Dan Slokchmelis, who was really, really good at this tournament, was the, the, the main leader on the ice for, for Latvia and uh, really propulsed them offensively, had a great tournament offensively as well, and um, overall played a fantastic tournament for for them. Um, talk me through some of what you saw from, from Lokchmelis in that tournament. I really like what I saw from him. Like I thought that that he was really standing out as a puck carrier in a way that I hadn't seen from him previously. Uh, he was really one of the most confident players in that Latvian lineup. And uh, the way that he was taking on defenders off the rush, I liked the way that he would uh, like, fake his way to the inside before cutting to the outside and using his speed to get around opponents uh, yeah. and was really a lot more dynamic than than what you would expect from a, a top-line Latvian forward at this type of tournament. I thought that this was a relatively strong Latvian team, even though they did have a pretty rough loss there to Canada, that 10-1. But I thought that they had a pretty good effort at this tournament. And without yeah. Lodge Mountains, that would not have been the case, I don't think. For sure. And, you know, same for Sandisville and Manus. Those two are really the leaders yeah. of that team. Lush Mellis, by the way, is a Boston Bruins draft pick. Phil yes. Manus is a Florida Panthers draft pick, the only two draftees from that uh, roster. And both of them really, really stood out uh, for, for Latvia in my viewings. Um, Phil Manus's playmaking is really good. He's able to push the middle really well. Um, you know, use that frame really well to protect pucks and drive drive inside checks. So that was really, really good from him. And finally, Nils Neil, Fenyenko for me uh, on defense was fantastic. I think he was the defensive ace of um of uh of Latvia at this tournament. Really, really played some good some good hockey and uh overall he was so dependable on that back end. You knew he was gonna be in the right spots, you knew his stick was gonna be in the right lanes, just Having that dependability on the back end from a player like that is is so so important. And yeah, Fenenko brought a a level of stability to that back end that I, I was really um, I didn't really see from anyone else. Um, but yeah, overall, this is the kind of breakdown of this glut of four teams. We'll get into um, the final three teams. We've let, saved the best for last. Canada, Finland, and Switzerland's breakdowns of their top three players from this tournament is coming up after these messages from our sponsors over at Game Time. If you're looking to buy cheap tickets last minute for any event, GameTime is the best place to get that done. Uh, GameTime is a great app and website that allows you to get last minute tickets for your events, whether that's sports or a comedy or theater or anything that requires tickets, really. GameTime has you covered. They have tickets up until the last minute of events, and sometimes even an hour after they start. Uh, they've got a bunch of deals to help you save money, uh, including Zolan deals, which is which are my favorite. Um, basically, you pick the section, game time picks the seats, and that gives you an average of about 18% of savings. And with a game time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what game time has to offer, game time will credit you 
20% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, super easy. Just create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Alrighty, so uh, closing things off with our final three teams of uh, this breakdown of the top three players of each team at the World Junior Championship. We've got Canada, Finland, and Switzerland. We'll start off with the big one, Canada, and I think the first one's an absolute no-brainer. Macklin Celebrini, uh, for me, was the best player for Team Canada, right? For sure. I think that you can't really find a single player at this tournament that was able to match his like <laughs> intense sequences of raw dynamism uh, at this tournament. Like uh, there were offensive zone sequences where it, it seemed like Celebrini was the only player on the ice. He'd, he'd be faking through multiple different opponents, like weaving through the defenses, getting off a good shot from a high danger area, recycle, and then like pick up a, the loose puck and then get it back to his teammates, continue the offensive possession. Just a really dynamic, high-skill player. And while, yes, his production came against like Germany and Latvia overwhelmingly at this tournament, the dynamism was there yeah. throughout. And and if if his line mates had been able to put the puck into the back of the net more consistently, uh, he would have had a lot more points than he did and against better teams than, than, than the production came against. But, yeah, yeah I think Celebrini was... A, at the very least, I think he quelled any doubts that any scout has in terms of who the, the default number one pick in the 2024 draft is at this stage. And maybe we see some late risers make that more of a battle as the year progresses. But that would be difficult to imagine at this stage in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you look at what um, you look at what Celebrini has done in this tournament and you know, not just the point totals, but overall the ability to just dominate shift and shift yeah. out. I mean, this player is just un... He's just so difficult to handle as a defenseman. Just a player who consistently attacks downhill with speed, cuts to the middle, delays, and, like, drives back defenses consistently. He's just so difficult to handle. Uh, but moving on yeah. to Denton Matejchuk, who's the second player in our top three. A fantastic, fantastic player for Canada in this tournament. And... Again, just watching the the track data on Lassie Allen and Mitch Brown's uh, uh, tracking project for the World Juniors, another player who's just maxed out in every stat, transitionally, offensively, defensively. So much to love about his tournament, but overall, he couldn't do everything for Canada. I mean, the thing with Matejchuk yeah. is he's he's calmed his game down a lot. I thought he was a very chaotic, very you know. Um, just gung-ho type of defenseman just throws the puck in the offensive zone chases it down wins the wins the puck battle on the four check uh you know just it's so weird to see a defenseman chase his own dumpings but you know he he, yeah. he was that type of player in his draft year and oh, i feel yeah. like he's added a, a lot of maturity and composure to his game which has really kind of helped him build out build out his game and overall by far the best defenseman for for, for canada it's not even close uh and finally um Matis Rousseau, who was fantastic at this tournament overall. Um, we had a bit of a difficult time finding anyone else on this offensive roster that had an impact worth mentioning. Um, maybe Connor Geeky, but even then, it was inconsistent. Yeah. Um, Matis Rousseau was regular in that tournament. Um, consistent with every game, let in maybe one or two bad goals near the end, which kind of yeah. were th it was where you expect this kind of player to step it up and, and, and have a better impact, but Rousseau just really wasn't up to the task at the end but overall the consistency with Rousseau really really pushed him into that uh, into this top three and yeah he's the only player I'd say we're both comfortable putting here right 
Yeah, for sure. Like, I think that like there are other players that I think my heart would want in the slot, maybe above them. Like, like, like Matthew Poitras, for instance, I really wanted to make that big step. And I mean, he, yeah. he came back and first game back in the NHL, he has two assists, of course. But at this tournament, he was a bit quieter um, and wasn't really didn't look like he was a man amongst boys, which I think yeah. was perhaps our expectation and the, the, the expectation of Team Canada fans. But yeah. yeah, it just it was not a tournament where things were really clicking much for Canada. So uh, the fact that Matsuzuki is on here, and the fact that it was a very very good tournament, but not like an otherworldly performance, is also indicative of uh, what Canada was lacking compared to the other teams in this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we were talking before the before recording about how it's so important to follow the model of USA and Sweden and build yeah. your build your system around your players, not build your players and your roster around the system you already want to play. Um, and yeah, that's why USA and Sweden were the top two players, the top two teams in in the tournament and the finalists, um, the gold and silver medal winners. And Canada got kicked out in the quarterfinals. They were trying to build their their team. They're trying to build their roster around. A structure they already set for themselves and that you know jagger Fergus, riley height um and a bunch of other players who could have really helped this team offensively were not at this tournament and and that cost them a lot uh but moving on to finland finland had a great tournament as well uh they ended up uh, losing in the uh, bronze medal game uh so ended up fourth place um and yeah they had a couple decent players i thought yes polkinen was amazing and another player whose stats are maxed out in the tracking project of, of lassie allen and and, uh, and and mitch brown there just every category transitionally he's amazing you, you you know we've talked about his skating at length just an amazing skater he overwhelms opponents with with pace um defensively really really impressed me he's you know he uses his frame intelligently he's not just a big guy who can skate he's a big guy who can skate and think the game and that that really shows um he struggled to find his footing i think in the first couple games especially defensively but as the tournament went on it was really really clear how how impactful he could be um and yeah consta hellenius as well another i mean pulkin is technically draft eligible because he wasn't drafted last year he is an overager but hellenius this is his first year of draft eligibility and he was amazing right he was excellent. I mean, I think all three stars that we have here are players that have yet to have their names called on the NHL draft stage, and only one yeah. of them is a first-time draft eligible. But yeah, like w- with Hellenius, you didn't see the level of production that you w- were perhaps expecting, considering that he was playing a top-six role throughout. He started off as their first-line centerman, and he still played an excellent tournament. Like, like despite the lack of scoring, he was a true play connector in that in that roster. It was definitely a weaker forward lineup for Finland than they usually have at the, at these tournaments. But uh, Hellenius was playing a really collected and subtle offensive game. He was key on retrievals. He was uh, always linking play between his, the defensemen and his wingers. And uh, yeah, I thought he, I thought he played a really solid tournament, but. The type of tournament that gets you draft top 10 rather than top three in my eyes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but moving on to Yeri Lassila, who's the uh, final player in our top three. Another undrafted player, the captain for Finland, and not just a leader in terms of having the C on his crest, but a leader on the ice as well. Was scoring them big goals at key moments. Was coming up big when the, when the team needed him most. I thought he had a great tournament as well. Another undrafted player could have made this list. Tom, uh, Tommy Manistu, 
uh, was fantastic in this tournament. He has blistering pace. I mean, he's just he's pushing down the boards every chance he gets. He's just driving uh, teams back, putting teams on their heels. He was amazing as well. And the only draft drafted prospect I'd say would compete with this um, kind of glut of players would be Lenny Heminow, who had a de- decent tournament as well, uh, drafted prospect of the New Jersey Devils. Um, but closing things off with Switzerland, without a shadow of a doubt, Rodwin Dionicio was the best player on the ice <laughs> for Switzerland night in, night out, right? There was not a game I watched of Switzerland where he was not like head and heels above uh, above uh, everyone else on his team, both physically and in terms of performances. Like Robin Dionicio was uh, so consistent, both in the vicious physical defending where he was like his positioning in this tournament defensively was really, really impressive. I thought that he was... Yep among the two like three or four best defensemen in this tournament bar none let alone just yeah. among uh among swiss players and uh yeah a great great tournament and he was scoring some big goals he was using his big shot he was using his playmaking ability to really be the quarterback of every offensive like zone presence that he was on the ice for he was doing yeah. it all but he wasn't the only impactful player in that lineup. Like I thought that Gregory uh, Weber was one of the better players for Switzerland really had mm-hmm. some flashes of dyna- of dynamism and skill where kind of small shifty uh, winger who was really able to, to set his, to, to set his mark on, on games against like lower qualities of competition, but yeah. in the games against the big boys kind of fade more to the background where Dean Nietzsche yeah. was still able to be impactful. For sure. And meanwhile, Danilo Stinkov, who's another draft eligible, who was playing in this tournament, I thought he was amazing. Um, and yeah. I've heard a lot about Leon Mugli uh, over in the Swiss National League as a player who could be drafted in the top 50. I see Danilo Stinkov as a much better player. Um, reminds me a lot of Thomas Galvish over in, in Czechia. Um, two, two draft eligibles to play kind of similar styles, really mobile, really um, uh, composed players are really able to break out of their zone fairly easily. I think Galvish is a bit more dare to his game. Um, and I love that. Uh, but Danilo Stinkov was really solid, really dependable in a bottom pair, you know, seventh defenseman type of role. He was really, really reliable. Um, and finally, I thought Miles Mueller as well had a great tournament um, for, for for Switzerland. I'd even throw Jonas Tybell in there, their captain. Um, that had a decent couple of pieces and that that prevented them from playing a relegation game, which was really, really good for them. And believe it or not, Rodwin Dinicho is the only drafted prospect from this roster, and, and they played a decent tournament. So, yeah, impressive yeah. overall for Switzerland. But that wraps things up for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. If you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. they got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports on a 24-7 news channel. And make sure to tune in for our next episode as we discuss um, something outside of the draft for a change. This is Manhattan Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.